1: Hey there, what's up, and welcome to the Drinks With Johnny podcast. Thanks for being here with me today as I sit down with my good friend Ray Luzier of Korn. He's been drumming with the band for over 15 years now, six albums later. Still kicking ass. It's absolutely incredible. I met Ray when we were on the Golden God Awards together. That's the Revolver Golden Gods Awards. I mean, this was probably back in, I don't know, 2011. And uh, I remember distinctly meeting him. He's one of the nicest people, an incredible drummer. It was really great to get him here on the show, and talk about the times that we uh, have shared on the stage together in uh, the sheds with Corn and Avenged Sevenfold. I think we decided that was like in 2014, 2015 summer. You guys could fact check that later. But uh, he reminded me of that actually. I had completely forgotten. about that tour well not I guess not completely forgotten I knew that the tour existed I just forgot that we were uh, I guess I was caught off guard uh, and not fully prepared to talk about that but uh, at any rate we get we had a great conversation talked about his time coming into Corn, the new uh, Requiem record that they got out right now the they're on tour with Evanescence right now playing Sheds go check that out and uh, you know we also got uh, to talk about his time at the Musical Institute in Hollywood, Uh, Chad Smith. I mean, so many great things that he's done as an accomplished drummer that he is. Playing with David Lee Roth, we're giving some fun stories there. I mean, there's just so much. Ray is such a good person, a great drummer, and I had an absolute blast having him on the show. Hope you guys enjoy it too. So without further ado, here's the chat with Ray Luzier of Korn. What's up, dude? Can you hear me? Hey, man. Hey, 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 hey what's happening not much man can we get a a video of you
2: let me see where that is (laughs) freaking blind as a bat today hang on all good man start the video there we go think
1: (laughs) all right on ray how are you
2: good man what's happening i haven't seen you in a long time
1: i know man i was just uh doing a quick little intro before we started this little thing and uh saying i think the last time we saw each other was probably the golden god awards the revolver golden god awards right wow is it that long ago it might have been i i I can't think of i mean maybe you could correct me uh if i'm wrong there what's what's the last time you remember oh no we did the the tour together after that i was gonna say
2: uh, the the tour was after that
1: the tour was after that
2: yeah so that's that's the last time we saw each other on on deck
1: when was what what year was that tour i'm trying to remember now Um,
2: man it's been a minute probably was that fourteen, fifteen, something like that
1: shit yeah it must have must have been <laughs>
2: it, it had to be yeah it's been a while man
1: hell yeah we you got a little coffee there right now you just get into the hotel. yeah
2: we we checked in the hotel and i just grabbed whatever uh was happening and we're, we're uh we're pushing our we have corn coffee now so we're pushing that campaign this tour so me and monkey or me and head go out and do do these like local coffee shops and they'll put our coffee in there and they all put corn shirts on. It's like a try try to push the brand a little bit more kind of thing, you know?
1: Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, I I saw that you guys had that coffee. Um, Describe how that came about for me real quick then. Uh, Like, is that, what does it taste like? Why did you do it? Like, what's what's up with that?
2: It's weird, because like, you know, this band has been, you know, this is their pushing 30th year. It's my 15th year in a band, you know, Mm I've been in half its existence now, which is insane. I remember when I got the gig in 07, field like yeah we got like another year or two and i'm like hey man i'm here let's make it happen let's rock it you know yeah so but every year goes by there's more cycles there's more tour dates there's more album cycles and and uh i was always saying like man you guys are such a brand now it's like a it's like kiss you know they have freaking underwear shoelaces and caskets caskets, like corn flakes and corn coffee and corn whatever you know and and uh so Monkey and I, James Schaefer have gone back and forth with it for a while. But like, like man, corn coffee would be so cool. But we don't know enough about it. We're not educated enough on on starting that whole thing. I have buddies that have wine. I'm sure, you, like yourself, you have buddies that have wine companies, bourbon companies. Right. You know, it's out of control now with with how much stuff is is out there. So like, what do you do? Where do you start? Well, when we signed with Velvet Hammer Management, they were like, Hey, we got a we got a buddy, Jeremy Gersey he was Tom Cruise's personal barista for like a decade. And I'm like, how do you get that gig?
1: (laughs) A personal barista, huh?
2: Yeah. I want that gig.
1: Son of a bitch. Yeah. That (laughs) sounds like a pretty cushy job there, man.
2: (laughs) Like what? Like
1: really? Maybe not though, actually. Now that I, now that I just said that, I'm like, it is to Tom Cruise. I don't know the guy personally or anything like that, but you never know. Like,
0: yeah, maybe that
1: wasn't as cushy of a job as it sounds to us.
2: (laughs) That's it. Apparently he was on the set for some movie that Tom was making and he'd and like he kept making smoothies and lattes and stuff, and Tom's like, "These are freaking amazing! Like I gotta meet this guy." And then it turned into a relationship. Turned into you're coming to Jamaica on the set of this film. You're, next thing you know, he's like, "Balling with Cruz." And I get—I heard he went to Cameron Diaz after that and all this stuff. Anyway, he made his own coffee company in Vegas. He put—he's he, got like two airplane hangers of roasters and just—it's pretty pretty extravagant. And uh, so our our management's like go fly out there. And just check them out, you know, see, feel it out. So that's what happened. We started a relationship with Jeremy Gersey and, uh, which made it ways, you know, simpler on our end to, uh, <laughs> to say like, well, how, why does a bean roast like this? Why do you mix this with this blend? Why do you, cause I'm a coffee junkie. I'm, I'm always going to the local places when we're on tour, you know, what, no matter what, where we're at and trying out local stuff. I love it. And, uh, so wait, wait,
1: you're more of a local guy then you're not, you're not, uh, seeking out Dunkin' or Starbucks, you're you're, you're on whatever love, whatever the uh, locals are drinking.
2: I love supporting locals, man. I love. I mean, I you know you. I don't outrule bucks or Pete's or Not whatever. Pizza. You know, Seattle's best, whatever. But I always love to give the the, the local peeps some love because a lot of them. It's hard to survive you know sometimes they they right. if they're in a hot spot you know it's like that okay that's, that's great it's gonna work some of them are struggling so i always like try to find out like i'll just put my maps or whatever wherever hotel we're at and just try to find some locals and um so with your know, jeremy's got these weird things about like his beans you know i don't know we're so used to the burnt starbucks taste are you coffee dude
1: i mean i i i i drink coffee. (laughs) I wouldn't say that I'm a coffee dude. Like I, I I have a Nespresso at home and uh, uh, I I have like one, two cups in the morning and then I'm good for the rest of the day. Are you, are you you beyond what I'm, what I'm describing here?
2: Well, I, I, I'm not like one of those, like, I have to have five cups a day kind of guy, but it's like, it's gotta be, I try to find decent bean, you know, I try to find like, if it's a good, if it satisfies me, I don't need to have, you know, but there are days, like at home, like like if I'm in my home studio or something, I'll I'll I have I'm one of those weirdos that's got like three French presses and I got a, a Chemex maker, I got an espresso, I have an old school pot, I have a percolator that sits on the stove, and you know, I'm like I have probably have about eight coffee sources in my house. You know, my wife <laughs> hates it, but.
1: So you're serious. You're 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 a much more serious yeah. coffee drink than I am. I, I yeah. Get it. yeah.
2: Well, yeah, because I don't claim to be Mr. Educated Guy on it because I'm not. I just love. I know some more stuff now that we have our own brand, but it's mm-hmm. like. I just love great coffee and I hate shit coffee. So,
1: <laughs> well, that's the, <laughs> I, I I could vibe with that. I, I could understand right. that that aspect. You got know, get the little uh, shitty coffee in a hotel room sometimes. And yeah, you know, yeah. I'd rather go outside and go find a better cup. Yes, that I, right. I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what uh, did you guys taste? A bunch of different uh, blends uh, from this uh, from Jerry, or did he uh, yeah. did he bring you a bunch of options? You picked which ones you liked, or did he just he like kinda do the whole thing? And you're like. We'll put our name on that.
2: Yeah, no, he, he brought us a bunch of options. and said, here's, he goes, what are you guys thinking? First of all, you know, do you want a dark roast breakfast blend? You know, um, so we, he started with like, well, I have this concoction that I made and uh, it's called this diamond reserve and God, it's freaking makes your eyes cross. Like you, you take a sip of it and you're like, how can this be a co-? And I'm talking no, I only put a little bit of cream in my coffee. I know people that put like douse it with sugar and all this stuff. I love the it's got to taste like the bean, you know, but right. I do like to balance it out a little bit of half and half or oat milk or something. He, his stuff is black, man. You just take a sip and you're like, how? Like what? it's coffee. Yeah.
1: It's
2: a freaking bean that grows in the ground. How can it be this good? You know? So, but he's got like, he's got shit at his place. It's, it looks like science lab projects. There's things that spin around in little tubes and come down yeah. and it hits this thing first. And then it goes to this. And then by the time it gets in your cup, it's like a, yeah, it's, I don't even know what you call his things. I, I wish I remember the name of that. <laughs> but uh, he's the next. He's another level. You know, he's a whole. You know, so that's why we trusted him. Obviously, with with um, our little simple roast. So we would, he would take. Okay, let's start with the. We you love our Diamond Reserve. Let's tr- start with that. Now let's mix it with some African beans and let's mix it with some Colombian and let's just try different things. And we're like, Yeah, that's a little bitter. That's a little weird tasting that's a, whatever so we come up with our concoction our first dark roast mm-hmm. and um and the cool thing about jeremy like we're so used to the burnt taste of starbucks and all these coffee places but his beans don't roast on the basin they don't touch the thing ever it's like a popcorn machine his beans ah. are constantly uh moving and so each bean gets the 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 you know re- respected love instead of like some are burnt some are not so it's this weird it sounds weird boring as hell right now (laughs) but it's 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 quite fascinating when you're there looking at you're like what the what like what are you talking about and it's this giant freaking 10 foot thing of beans and but so that's a that's what makes his i think a little unique so because some people get our dark roast and they're like it's not like kicking my ass i have to put more coffee and i'm like well that's because it's more of a on the foo-foo side of it it's not like a burnt like let's kick your ass let's put as dark as we can and you know it's a very great flavor, you know. So mm-hmm. it takes people that are used to dark roast, like I don't know. It's, a, it's a, you know. So that's the whole thing. I always tell people, add a little bit more if you're used to that really, you know, uh, strong taste. So then when we put the Nothing record out, um, he had an idea of let's let's make a wired blend because we had a dude coming down on wires on our right. album cover. And uh, so we made it even stronger, um, caf- caffeinated uh, roast. So now we have those two now wired blend dark roast. So
1: okay, okay. So the wired blends for, for the uh, recovering uh, crack addicts then. The- <laughs> Pretty
2: much, yeah. <laughs>
1: Pretty much, yeah.
2: Yeah, it'll kick your ass for sure. And uh, no, anyone's interested watching, it, uh, they can go on cornwebstore.com and it's for sale. And we're trying to now get it into stores and all that, which is a whole other level. I had no idea all the crap that's Dude, going
1: into retail with with the coffee, man, that's gotta be, Dude. that's gotta be a whole ordeal.
2: I had no idea. Like you go to whole foods, you go to like these grocery stores, you see little cutouts of these small teas and these look, it's tens of thousands of dollars just to get that. Shit just to get it great. in there on
1: the shelf. Huh? Yeah, yeah
2: shit,
1: man. I could only imagine. I mean, they gotta be making, I mean, they're holding it. So they gotta be making that money somehow. So yeah. that's interesting. I mean, even just, uh, you made the joke that it's a little bit, it sounds boring, but to me, it, it does not. Because I'm I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, I had no idea that you could even go that deep into making coffee. Like, I'm just like, right. like I said, I drink, I have some fucking coffee just to wake me up in the morning, have something, you know, to do, and right. get me ready to surf or go work out or whatever the fucking case may be.
2: Absolutely, and, yeah. Uh,
1: but, like, the way you're describing it's like, I, I understand that when it talk when we're talking, like, whiskey or something like that. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, how it's distilled, where... The terroir come f- comes from where they're getting the peat uh, everything like matters so much yeah. and then I guess it's kind of the same with fucking coffee I don't know
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah it's the same with wine I'm a wine guy I don't really yeah. get into boo- booze much but wine's the same thing it's such an art form to it I had no idea like I would I live in Nashville now nah, but when I lived in LA I would go to like Santa Barbara and Sylvain and Napa oh, yeah. and, stuff, and go to tastings and, and uh, they're, not, I'm like come on dude it's fermented grapes come on like <laughs> Come on, you're talking about, oh, the essence, you're going to get this trifecta when you smell it and when it hits your mouth. And then when you swallow, you get this. I'm like, come on, you know. And then after a few tastings, I was like, oh, I actually got the three thing going on. Like, I, I was like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And I, and I still don't know what the hell I'm talking about with wine either, but I love a great glass of Cabernet and, and know where it's at. And
1: Which one? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean. I think that's kind of the 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 brilliance of uh, I, I love a good wine as well, and I think that's kind of the brilliance. It's like, kind of like, becomes like a hobby. It's fun. You don't have to yeah. be a fucking sommelier or a master uh, uh, a wine taster to still appreciate it and enjoy it, right? It's like yeah. it's and right. it is also like knowing all that stuff is cool and all, and no no disrespect to you sommeliers watching at home, but. <laughs> It's, it 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 doesn't really matter at the end of the day, right? It's it's what you like, like taste. It's it's a taste bud thing, you know. It's like it's, some it's taste buds like, it's are like different.
2: It's like in music. It's like anything. You're you know, that's it would be a boring life if everything was the same and everything was,
1: uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. There's not there's none of those. But well, real quick then, what, what's one of your uh, your favorite uh, bottles of cab then? Like, what's a um, go to for you?
2: I love duck corn is one of my favorites. Um, it's yeah. a really just, a. it's, I love the buttery, but I love oaky and barrel taste. I love that. Like pepper. I love all that stuff. They, they give me a nice aftertaste. And, uh, um, it's funny cause on our rider on, and on tour, you know, I have requests I put on there, but sometimes they just give you whatever. And I'm like, yeah. you gotta watch the sulfates. Cause I get headaches really bad with, uh, the wrong wine, you know, the wrong vino. So it's like I always tell them like mixture's like thirty bucks and above. And that sounds right. weird, but it's like usually the thirty dollar mark is that non sulfate, you know,
1: Right, uh, right. You want a little wine. bit you, you get what you pay for sometimes, people. I mean that is so, a reality. Yeah. Two buck chuck might give you a fucking headache. It's just it's <laughs> the reality of it. <laughs> You know, it doesn't sound I, crazy to me have. at all. I mean, I I'm very specific about the bottles of wine on my ra- on my rider. I'm like, it's got to yeah. be it's got to be one of these yeah. two, one of these. Three. But you know, you have to pick. You're you're in uh, different places. I mean, you guys are in Chicago right now. You're on you're on tour. Yeah. But you go to some of these other cities that don't um don't necessarily have the liquor stores, or as you know, you go through the Bible Belt areas. You could only get it on certain days. It becomes very yeah. difficult to get the the specific bottle of wine that you that yeah. you have on your ri- rider right. So you try and find so, ones that are, that you like but are still yeah. very common you know what i mean yeah
2: exactly and and, and again it's like I, I had a bunch of buddies in from out of, out of the country in la one time and they're like wine snobs they're like they'll drink like 19 freaking whatever bottle and they know it's you know, they know everything about it mm. and i'm like i had some two buck chuck in my in my <laughs> cover and i go i'm gonna pit. watch this i'm gonna watch they're not gonna know i go hey man it's, it's I'm going to pour you some stuff. This stuff's like, top, you've never had it before. It's top shelf. Like you don't even know what you're drinking.
1: <laughs> you tried to pull a fast one on him, did you?
2: I was building it up, building it up. And the dude's like looking, he's swirling, he's looking at the light, he takes a sip. He's like, that's like a $25 bottle of wine right there, bro. And I'm like, what do you think it is? And he's trying to name the grapes. And, and I showed him the 198 sticker on the bottle. <laughs> but they all pissed off because they were like, you know, I, th- I t- totally talked it up like it was just something miraculous, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times you can't talk it up. It's a little bit of a placebo effect there too. You could like yeah. make you think it's better than it really is sometimes. I mean, I, I traveling around the world as you know, um it does get a lot of fun to find stuff like that like wine or coffee or just anything like that that you can go experience to your point like locally and stuff like that. Like do you get into yeah. some of the wine tasting when you're out on the road as well? Have you been able to do that yeah. like in France? Specifically,
2: for, for sure, yeah, I man. Yeah, like if you have a day off from Bordeaux or if you, I mean, when I first got this gig, these guys were nuts. They they went, you know, I don't know how many countries you guys go to and stuff, but like corn's like they're kind of nuts, especially when I got the gig. I saw we did 36 countries in four and a half months, mm-hmm. and I've never done any of in all my gigs I've ever had from Dave, David Lee Roth to whatever I play with. like, you go to europe you do some canadian dates you might go to japan might go to australia you do the states and then you're that's a wrap that's called a world tour mm-hmm. <laughs> when i saw our, our list and i was like south africa dubai and I, it's just like well who goes to dubai to play a rock show you know and, <laughs> and it's like and it was weird so i took advantage because there's quite a few days off like we had three days off in cape town and two days off in johannesburg and the tour manager at the time was a big wine guy and he's like, Hey man, I'm going that he's tasting. He's like, what? I want to go. Like we're in freaking Johannesburg. I'm, it's not up the street, you know? Right. So we ended up like, I ended up doing that and, and that, you know, I don't do it a lot. Uh, as you know, you get like burned on the road. Like I'm four days in right now. I feel like a truck hit me, you know? So
1: <laughs> dude, <laughs> so already, like, already, huh? <laughs> yeah,
2: man. No, I don't know why, but I, I'm not 25 anymore either, but yeah, uh but it's like i'd lo- I do enjoy going to locals and if i see if we pass something or meet a buddy or walking on the street and i see like wine tasting whatever I'll, I'll check it out or whatever you know but it's not like i have to massively go and, and i'm gonna be bummed if i don't you know it's just like yeah. one of those things if i happen to see it i do it if not it's not a big deal
1: yeah well it's it's fun to like have those things on days off to do and as you know yeah Something different than a hotel room, a bus, or a backstage is always is always yeah. welcome in, in our line of work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well,
2: what do you drink? What's your what do you drink? Like what's your thing? Like what do you what's your? I see a bunch of stuff behind you.
1: <laughs> that that's my thing. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> just that's point at is. it. That's my fucking thing. Uh, uh, I I do like I I like pretty much almost every alcohol. I could find something that I like about. Um, uh, nice. You know, uh, wine definitely. Uh, Going to uh I got married in Napa. I'm coming up on my ten year anniversary. So I uh, got awesome. out there. You mentioned Duckhorn. Uh just up the road um uh, is where I got married from Duckhorn off the Silver Roger Trail. Um awesome. So I, lo- I i'm love wine. I love a uh, good French wine too. Um uh Margot is one like a good bottle. Margot is, is actually on my rider. We mentioned riders a second ago and I'm like Yeah. Yeah. Um and then uh Please. scotch scotch is another big one for me i i, I yeah. love a good good pd isla um off the coast uh uh, uh scotch or um uh, bourbons i'm into bourbons <laughs> i mean i again yeah. I've, i give it, it's it's easier to ask me what i don't like and that's like probably like all right just just bottom shelf stuff this <laughs> is anything bottom shelf? Yeah, is not know, what I know. so i love a good tequila i love a good rum i mean a good yeah. gin, gin and vodka, I won't, I would say those are not, um, they're not spirits that I like would get into how they're made necessarily. I yeah. generally use those for making cocktails because they're clear spirits tend to have less flavor in a lot of respects. Gin more, more has more flavor from the juniper berry. Yeah. And I love a good gin martini, like at a steakhouse to start off the night, like just a. Just gin, basically shake it on ice like a good tanker nice. and just go for it, you know.
2: See, I'm learning stuff right now. <laughs> Our tour manager's really weird on the sugary two sugar content. high. you know, so yeah. he turned me on to Chopin. I had no idea that it was the potato uh vodka.
1: Oh, okay. Opinion. Yeah, I and I don't think I've had Chopin either. I, I know Chopin the the uh Frederick Chopin, the old the old uh, composer, right. uh, the piano composer, but I, I'm not familiar with the vodka. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it, and it, he turned me on to it, and like he goes, you don't get that headache, and it, on a show day or whatever, like you you can have a couple of those, and you're okay. It's not like a because that's my biggest problem waking up with the hard stuff. It's like, man, you know, it's it's hard to deal, and I'm, I'm bashing drums, and the last thing I want to do is you know, with a, a hangover headache, you know, right. so that kind of I had no idea, you know. And a neighbor of mine is a bourbon guy. He's got a whole freaking wall of bourbons. I hadn't, I don't know anything about those, so he was giving me the very light uh, uh, cliff notes on what this is or what that is. So I'll, I'll, I just need to get more educated on stuff. In
1: well, you know, it's, it's all about those days off and those, those traveling and, 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 and going on that. Yeah. We got to get back out there together one day. So we, you and I could do that on some days off. I'm oh, currently, dude, you, on. you have me on a, on a, on a kick where I'm uh, sober right now. I'm on the wagon for six months. So I'm, right now I'm drinking canada. Nice. Otherwise I'd have a drink with you. Even virtual. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: it's, it's coffee and sparkling water. in kombucha,
1: uh, in in yeah. So, yeah, we're, it's working out. You mentioned that you when you started, though, with uh, with corn, you know, as you said, it like 15 years now. Um, they had like 36 different uh, countries in four months. Now, have done a lot of countries. I don't think I've done 36 in four months. That's a little extreme. Uh, but yeah. you mentioned a couple of them that I haven't been to in, in uh, Cape Town and Johannesburg, what were some of the more obscure places like that, maybe that you'd been that uh, that you could tell me a little bit about? What to expect? I I do hope to one day get to these places, but you know,
2: yeah, it's just cool to see. Like, um, it, it's weird because at that time Muse, we played some shows with Muse, and they weren't quite as the ginormous as uh, Muse as they were at that time. And uh, it, it's we got to know those dudes and, and hang out with them because we did some odd shows like the dubai and south africa dubai. and um and it, yeah, I had no idea what to expect you know it's really cool when you look out and you see every race color creed language it doesn't matter what i mean they speak everything down there it's crazy like i you know but as you know like music brings us all together it's a universal language right. if someone digs your band it doesn't matter what what they're purple if they're you know if they dig your band they're going to come to your show and that's what that really woke me up because of all the previous bands i've been with and and you know like i said we we didn't go that many places you know with uh when i was in Jakey lee's band we barely left the states you know and and all the little bands i was in before david lee roth we started venturing out we were doing sweden rock fest and would do you know overseas and stuff but um Army of Anyone, my last band, we never left the States. We never got that far, you know, before I joined Corn, So when I got to Corn, I was like, man, this is, it, you really can go anywhere, you know, um, to, to go to, to um, Turkey, you know, and play, you know, we, we take a jet and, and I remember that Turkey gig specifically because we <laughs> took, a, took a private jet, we landed, we literally run the soil for about four hours because the crew flew ahead, set up everything and we landed Went to the venue an hour later on stage, went back to the tarmac and flew out of there. So, there's Whoa. situations like that where you don't even see anything.
1: <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, that's you uh, didn't actually go to Turkey, dude. They? they just put no, you in a different hangar. <laughs>
2: pretty, pretty much, they, saw, they, pretty they tricked much. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so stuff like that. But then, you know, um, when you get a, a few days off, like to really enjoy and embrace the culture of where you're at, that's that's always my favorite, obviously, you know, because. No matter how bad you're jet lagged or, or whatever, you know, um, you, you can always take in the culture and see what's going on and see what their favorite things are, what their favorite foods are, what their, you uh, know, as you know, you, you you get, sometimes that can backfire and you can eat the wrong thing and it's because we're not used to their, their stuff, you know, <laughs> the South American trips. I mean, that's like, wow, you know. South I American,
1: think, even Mexico though, man, like you've been, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people could uh, empathize more with the Mexico thing. You know, it's, it's more of a yeah. vacation destination than some other places. So I feel like the, the average person might, who doesn't tour rather, nothing average, just yeah. whatever, uh, might not, yeah. might be able to empathize more with the Mexico thing. But to your point, I do find it funny because as an American, you always have that stigma. It's like, oh, you go to these places and watch out for the water, watch out for this stuff. And you mentioned it gets like, no, no one finishes that sentence of like, it's just because our bodies aren't used to it. It's not because that they have shit down there. You know, it's like they use <laughs> different, they use different, I mean, to be honest, it's just different chemicals on the on the vegetables. Yeah. Something as simple as that can really fuck with your stomach. Yeah.
2: You know? Yep. I remember getting salad the first time I went to Mexico, Mexico City. I'm like, oh, I'll just play it safe. I'll get a salad. But it's the ah. worst thing you can get. Because <laughs> they're sprayed with everything. It was like, ah, oh, I think, I, I don't think... I, I was running to the toilet for probably seven days straight because it was just like your, our like you said though it's not they're okay, it's like we're just not used to it our bodies or whatever so. yeah,
1: yeah, if you're there long enough, you'll acclimate and you'll be fine right. you know? <laughs> exactly yeah. you did but, mention uh, it a couple it, times though, oh go ahead, man
2: no no, no I'm just uh, I, I had I'm on my third coffee right now, so oh brother, wow, yeah know.
1: so you get you you just got into Chicago just so that everyone yeah. has a little backstory. And I just went straight into the hotel, graciously hopped on yeah. this uh, chat with me, so I appreciate that. And you said yeah. you're, you're four days into the tour with Evanescence right now. How's that yeah. going? You, are you, you, are you, uh, you guys just rolled up in a bus uh, to this hotel? Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, we're doing a, a bus tour. Um, Evane- Evanescence in, in, is they played with right before I got the gig. Um, they, that was the last tour they did. So they've been friends with Corn for quite a, quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy lives out there by me now in Nashville, um, which is cool because uh, I rent the top of Nick Raskulinek's studio. So Nick, uh, Nick did Evanescence's last record, and for those that don't know, he's from Foo Fighters to Rush to Alice in Chains, Deftones. Like Nick is one of my favorite producers of, of all time. He did our. Mm-hmm. Serenity of Suffering and Nothing Records, and just a great, great guy, and just, just a passionate musician, man. That guy just oozes with passion. So, um, you know, having Evanescence with us, it's it's like a bunch of friends. Just they're all we're all family, you know. Uh, I would go down there and listen to some of the the newest Evanescence uh, when they were making it. Will Hunt and I go way back, and you know what it's like. You see, you see buddies on the road. It makes yeah. it a lot easier of a tour. It's a lot cooler when it's not and then also you get to know new people and um uh helmet played with us last night which was I'm oh a huge, shit
1: yeah and and uh um, i love Church. that meantime record man that was Dude. when i was growing up that record i i, I mean i i called a record but i had it on cassette and i was listening to that a lot yep. like that was a great record
2: yep and they crushed it man they freaking just I, I was thinking like man helmet in 2022 and i went out front of house and i was just like they are on fire like Paige is never better and i heard he just had surgery recently and that made it even more special because he crushed it on that you know um oh yeah but we're taking pod on a couple uh of the shows um jers johnson is this new like looks like a surfer kid you know him do you ever hear him
1: no jers johnson no i have not yeah
2: j-e-r-s johnson and He's just like, walks around with these big freaking glasses, like, hey, what's up, man? Yeah, hey, what's up? Right, yeah, it's going to be shit, man, woo. And he's just like walking through the halls, and you're like, who is this dude? And he's <laughs> up there with a the drummer, guitar player, and just, he throws down. It's like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like it's a little bit of techno, but it's rock, but it's like, I, I can't even, Where's, I know. where's he from? I'm not sure
1: to be honest. Oh, dude, I gotta, I gotta do some researchers. Yeah, or uh, just the people watching right here can just comment below. Let me know. I'll, I'll see all those comments later and follow up on it. Yeah. But Yeah, I gotta check some of yeah, that out. Sounds- that sounds awesome. You say it's a surfer guy. I'm like, all right, I, I could vibe with that.
2: <laughs> and he probably he'll hear this and go, "I ain't no surfer guy." What are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? so he's, gonna, <laughs> he's
1: gonna confront you on the next show that yeah. he's on.
2: <laughs> but it, but it's over there jumping on certain. You know, Evanescence was with us the whole time, but then there's P.O.D., Helmet, and jerseys that are, are kind of shifting throughout the next 19 shows. and then. Uh, but it's good to be back in the States, man. It's like it's It's like when they took this crap away from us, you know, no one thought that it, the whole stupid pandemic thing would really, yeah. you know, I'm sure you guys were doing the same thing. You're calling management going like, oh, don't worry, it's a couple more weeks. Ah, we're, we'll be back out in two months. And then it just kept going again and going. And then I remember Europe getting pushed three times. And I'm like, I told my wife, I go, I'll believe when we land in Amsterdam that we're doing the European tour and all the festivals. Cause it's just, it was it was so weird that they took that away from us, you know, but it's like, um, so to be on this again, to be back here, this is probably our third, we went out with Stain. We went out with Allison. Chains was before the pandemic. Mm. Uh, Chevelle went out with us on a, an arena tour. And then, so this is our shed tour back, and it just feels great, man. Just, uh, I think the people miss it as bad as we miss playing. You know, it's oh, like right. that, whole, that whole like, especially in Europe, man. We're doing those festivals again, doing Rock and Ring, Rock and Park, Donington, all that. Like, I've never seen a stamp on a festival sold out before because it's, you know, as you know, there's you can always. There's room for more festivals. How, how, it
1: seems like it at those festivals, yeah, especially those yeah. European ones. I mean, they're out on acres yeah. and acres of land, out, you know. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's like insane. how would
2: you cap that? How would you cap that? But yeah. they did because there's so many people wanted to come. So that made it. Cool. I mean, just looking out and seeing the waves of people and just, yeah, man, it's 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 weird. But as, you know, you you they can't stop us from making music. That's why you know I'm proud of our latest record, Requiem, because one when head and i live in nashville so when it was t- was okay to fly um it was weird even having that taken away you can't jump right. on a plane but you know <laughs> so so uh we contemplated be... we honestly contemplated driving to bakersfield because that's where our studio's at and, and uh heads like i ain't driving to that's Holi a fucking there.
1: far drive <laughs> 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 i mean we we've out. all had to do it before in the van days but like it's not like we yeah. seek out having to do that drive anymore <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah
2: he's like there's no way of doing it i'm like well i think the flights are gonna open soon and so when it was okay to jump back on a bird we went out there and just met as as brothers and just got together and it was no pressure of like oh we got a tour coming to hurry up guys hey we gotta we don't have this much time we just got together as bros and just went let's write some stuff and see what happens and and then would go a couple more weeks apart and would come back together and write again and go. Well, that sucked. This is pretty cool. Let's put this with this. And we slowly made a record. And it was like so awesome not to have the pressure of uh, anything. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, man. that's That's, that's got to feel great. So how long did it end up taking you guys, that that process for a
2: Probably like, I'd say over a four-month period, maybe pushing five. But it was, like I said, it was big spaces in between. Right, you know? and, right. And uh, we probably were, we tracked about 16, 17 tunes and then um, picked it down to... You know, between management, and the label, and everybody, and you know, us, this this song has to go on there. What do you mean you don't like that song? That's my favorite one. And next thing you know, things are getting clipped, and you're like, ah. Well, we had the best nine that we felt at the time. It's a very short record. It's the shortest record we've I think we've ever made. It's like 33 minutes. But we felt that that was the strongest that we had. You know, had we tracked 16, 17 tunes, and you know, you you've been in that situation before. Where you're like, that song. How can you? There's no way that can't make the record
1: and then, <laughs> and then uh, so, like, yeah, it, it tends it tends to be the one that feels the very dear to you is is the one yeah. that, that gets clipped yep. but you know you you grow thick skin over that over the years as I'm sure you have too. you just and yeah. then you you know you could come back to it and go that was the right decision most of the time. And, yep. then, and if it wasn't, you go, hey, it's time to release a deluxe record for the fans out there, and we'll, we'll release those tracks that we' yep. that we had before.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm like way into vinyl lately. Do you get into that at all? Uh,
1: I got into vinyl uh, years ago, actually, uh, when my uh, grandfather passed. Uh, he oh. had, I mean, this is probably twelve to fifteen years ago now. He had a a, a real extensive collection of uh, jazz, classical. Um, uh, and I grabbed some rock from my parents and stuff like that. So I have I have this. Uh, it's a pretty pretty good size. Uh, library Mm -hmm. of vinyl that I started listening to about 12-15 years ago and uh, like I said I've been into it I was more into it then I just haven't pulled out the record player in a while to be honest Um, Mm -hmm. I got a 5 year old kid so like getting the time to just like sit down and listen to a record and you know and as you (laughs) know if if you're into vinyl you want to keep it clean so each time you fucking play it then you just wipe it down before you put it back away all nice and my grandfather was really OCD about that. So, like, every record that I have is, like, pristine. And I'm like, I don't want to that's that. That's rad. Up, you know?
2: Yeah, that, that's so rad. Uh, see, I was uh, opposite. Well, my uncle, same thing. He passed, and he left me his collection, which he was in a box set. So he's got, like, amazing, insane amounts of, like, from the Neil Young, Crosby, Stills, and Nash to, like, you know, from, from uh, just everything was – from ted nugent everything was huge in the 70s you right. know and uh, but they're like super box sets like the, his zeppelin stuff that i've never seen before you know i'm sure zeppelin collectors have it but like he had some really cool stuff so the same thing i really but my stuff i never took care of like i i was an idiot and i had like was into kiss so i'd hang my vinyl with like scotch tape on the back of the records and it would fall and the scotch tape would pull the rec you know pull the <laughs> Freaking, yeah! You know, I was such a dumbass, but I still have all that my parents' house in Pennsylvania, and I took most of it to Nashville now. But I just got back and do it a couple of years ago, just because of the, the thing of it again. You know, hearing that on, hitting, watching that needle hit the threads, and I have an eleven and seven year old kids, uh, and they they're just like, what is that? because oh, you know, yeah.
1: they can't imagine the they don't they don't know what a cassette is they don't know what a cd is at this fucking point man like this is- totally
2: totally and, and so putting a needle on the record i remember like my well he was this is a few years back now he's probably seven or eight he's like daddy what the hell what is that like i go watch this check this out he goes well where's the music come from i go There's. to see these grooves i go listen i'll turn the volume down you can still hear the needle playing the you hear the music and he's like tripping going Wait, you're, but you can feel it. I can touch the, it did, he was tripping out. That's I mean, cool. Like, yeah. So, like, but, so just, a, you know, super young generation like that turned him on to vinyl. And then he was into Michael Jackson a lot. So I got him Thriller on picture disc. So you're watching Michael like spin around in circles as you're putting the needle on the Thriller oh, that's thing. That's rad. Yeah. So, like that, it, just to try to get them into it and understand it, you know, and then, uh, we released Requiem on cassette and, and, uh, which, that's
1: pretty cool. How do, how, do, how where did you find a studio that's doing that? I, I did see Lar I had uh, my buddy Lars from Rancid on the show and he was doing some cassette stuff last year with uh, with some of his yeah. solo stuff and I think maybe the bastards too. And I was just I was yeah. like that's such a cool idea but like where how do how do you even do that? You take it from the digital recording and put it through like uh, how do you guys do that this time around?
2: it's got it's got to be remastered for vinyl remastered for a cassette
1: any, any same way form. okay so the same way it's yeah. remastered for vinyl you do it okay
2: yeah but it's uh loma vista records we're on now they they we kind of they said they had some requests for it from some other artists on there from ghost and a couple other bands and and i'm like cassette like what but th- just to hear that th- it's one thing vinyl is one thing because there's a, a, a whole different audio spectrum that you're experiencing but the, but the cassette there's like a a hiss and a hum and you're waiting for the freaking thing to go around and you get to hold the fast forward button and it's just a whole nother nostalgia hey, but, uh,
1: man nostalgia is a yeah. whole thing man
2: <laughs> i was so excited because i have an old boom box in my studio and i was like oh man I, I, they sent they're on chrome cassettes they're like mirror looking chrome cassettes oh, and everything yeah. i'm so excited i popped it in i hit the thing and it just didn't do anything i'm like i haven't played a cassette in 20 years i shit So I like, I had this really up up in my closet, the very top probably has like brown recluse spiders in it is this double cassette thing I had from the like late eighties, nineties, you know, like one that
1: actually went into the stereo rack. Like, yeah. yeah, Oh fuck. Yeah. Like a pioneer or something. Hell yeah.
2: Totally. Yeah. An old Sony or whatever. And and I'm like, so I hooked it up, got the RCA cables. I'm like, please, one of these got to work out of the two and one was broken one worked. So I got to listen to the record on the, you know, Still weird, though, you know, but kids, kids are, I love going to my local record store. I live in Franklin down south of Nash, and there's a store called Luna Records there. And it's pretty rad to see, like, 16, 18-year-old kids walking out with three and four records that they love. Yeah. And it's like, that makes me, like, go, wow. Like, they, just to pick up your phone, it, it, it meant more to them to get it on vinyl. And it's, as you know, it's not cheap. It's like 25 30 bucks a record. It's not yeah. like... It's a streaming which thing, which is even
1: more amazing for someone to spend that money when they could have it for "quote unquote" free through you know their yep. monthly service or whatever it is. And, Absolutely, but they, but they're getting it that the, that they want something physical copy. I I do love seeing that as well. I uh, yep. you mentioned you're you're in Franklin, actually. Uh, uh, my good buddy Diony Sepulveda moved out there. My son's name is Franklin, but uh, uh, Tennessee, uh, Nashville has changed quite a bit, uh, and that whole area, of Franklin, Nashville. I mean. Years ago, it's, it was all about the country scene out there, and over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, you you would know better than me. It seems like it's just, it's just a hot spot for every genre, right?
2: It, it's it's almost overkill now. It's like it, yeah. it we moved here about eight years ago, and I lived in L.A. for twenty six years, all over SoCal, and uh, I've moved from one hundred eighteen acre farm in Pittsburgh to Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. So it was like, that contrast alone, you know, and and uh, you're on SoCal, right?
1: Yeah, I'm at, I'm in Orange County. Uh, actually yeah. Huntington Beach. Rest of the uh, your, your the rest of your bandmates uh, know Huntington Beach yeah. pretty well as well. So yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, and I love it down there. I, I really do. I, I, uh, I but I when our first kid popped out, I was like, my I moved my wife from Cocoa Beach, five months pregnant to the Valley. So I've lived in Marina del Rey. I've lived in WeHo, Hollywood. And then the, you know encino tarzana That was the last place i lived tarzana okay yeah and so i moved her five months pregnant from coco beach and you know as you know in LA, it's especially some certain parts, they're not actually your best friends, you know. So, they, yeah. they don't have your back, that you don't really say hi to them, your neighbor. You don't sometimes don't even know your neighbors, you know. Oh,
1: no, especially the places you just named, man. You're naming all the places in the valley, no one fucking even looks at each other out there.
2: <laughs> no, no. And I told her, I go, Hey, we're going to Europe for five weeks, by the way. Don't say hi to anyone. Don't talk to anybody unless the house is on fire. And she's like,
1: "Huh?" And she's five. Like, and she's five months pregnant. So.
2: <laughs> and she, wait, wait, great. you guys are
1: still married and still have these kids yeah. together?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kudos yeah. to
1: her. Kudos. To I know. Her.
2: I, I, she puts up a lot of my dumbass. I, I. Yeah. Yeah. The whole <laughs> other. That's a whole other podcast, but but, she, but so I drop her off and and she just she never really got. I mean, you come on Cocoa Beach, everyone's your best friend instantly. You're like, hey, what's up? Hey, where'd you get that watch? Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. next thing you know, you're like going out to dinner with them, and you don't even know these people. Right. So anyway, I love I love the, the valley, and I've obviously built my career in L.A. I loved everything about it, but when he when Hudson came out, my first son, we were like, I, I just. I was, i'm looking up in the air and looking at the smog and i'm sitting on a 405 stuck in traffic pissed off and everything that used to annoy me a little bit about la magnified when he popped out and i was like man i need to i need to i don't know just venture out it was time you know it, it was time for me to go somewhere else yeah uh when head brian ed wells joined rejoined the band in 13 he lived in nashville and he's like I'll, I, I don't like la i'm not moving out there because i was like what about the band he goes there's airports and internet isn't there and i'm like okay yeah fair
1: no, point like, yeah
2: that's kind, of, that's kind of i never thought of it that way so when i, I went to jonathan fieldy monk and i was like hey is it, is it cool if i move two thousand miles away you know from the home base and they're like that's fine they go but if we need you tomorrow to be out here to record some or what for whatever reason you got to jump on a plane i'm like mm-hmm. no problem at all I, I we live on airplanes as it is so that's what happened so it's been eight years now and and uh, I, I freaking love it man it's like but there's too many people now coming in there. It's like turning into a mini LA out there. It's like I was uh, going to
1: ask cuz it's been a, it's been a long time for me that I've been out in the Nashville area, area period yeah. and I everybody that I especially during the pandemic I had a lot of friends uh in the music industry I'm sure you know as well that were moving out there too just you know yeah. just more space or, you mm-hmm. know and it, obviously as you said even 8 years ago it it was already on its way to being like well you could get on a flight, you could get internet, it makes it easy. I feel like one of the things that came out of the pandemic that may be a good thing depends on your perspective, but uh, the advance of technology and how we use it to stay connected um, through those, you know, 2000 miles, I feel like everyone saw that as an opportunity to relocate and feel better about it or whatever. And a lot of those uh, places like Nashville is one of them where there has been a lot of great songwriters, producers, uh, studios, all those things that you can get right out there, and it's a little bit more open. And uh, I feel like a lot of that influx happened uh, right then. So, I mean, I I could only imagine. But, uh, I mean, I digress. It's you tell good. me a little bit more about it.
2: No, I mean, it, it, there's just – it's such a different scene than L.A. It's like the, – it's a they call it Music City, and it is Music City, but it's such a different thing, man. It's like – I have some younger – Friends there, and, and friends of mine that have kids that are like, hey, they want to do what you're doing. What do I tell them? And I'm like, ah, because <laughs> it's like I I, I I stumble because I'm like, man, there's so much to go through before you can even, you know, to to, to you know, I do the old Dave Grohl thing, like get in the garage and suck with your band, you know, pull yeah. your balls off. That's got to happen. That's an obvious thing. And then you know, you play the little shit club, do everything, but it's like, it's it's the, it's such a different way out there than it is in LA. You know, mm-hmm. LA will always be the entertainment mecca. You know, um, with everything. With, it. but I watch my friends like do well in Nashville. I'm like, wow, that's such a weird way that you got to where you are, but you did it, and so that's awesome. Like I, I envy you. I don't even know how you. I don't know how I would have approached that because I'm I'm so I have the LA way, way still in me, and I kind of hide in Franklin. I don't really <laughs> venture down to the Nash seen a lot. I go to Broadway, me and my wife go out to eat a lot. But it's like, it's, and I have a ton of friends. I mean, Pete from Offspring, well, formerly Offspring now, um, he's one of my best friends. He was my roommate in West Hollywood in LA. and Great dude, great drummer. And He's one of the ones that said, like, check out Franklin. You know, the schools are 10 out of 10 for your kids. They're, you know, so that's why we started there. But I had, I don't know why that maybe it's for what I just said, but South Nash is like just it's it just keeps going. Now it's like spreading the Spring Hill and Columbia and and uh, Thompson Station below me because we thought like oh we're way out of Nash we're twenty 20, 25 minutes south no one's gonna come out here <laughs> and everyone just I'm like what about north and east and west how come you guys aren't going up there and it's it's so I perfect example like uh, Mick Mars is a friend of mine from Molly Crew and and he uh, texted me and he's like hey I want you know I want you to play some. Drums on my my solo record. I'm finally doing a solo record. I'm like, great. You? He goes, uh, can you stop over my house? I'm in Franklin. Where are you at? And I go, you're not in Frank. Why would you be? In- you're Mick Mars from Miley crew? You're like yeah, LA. You got to still you,
1: in my head. You're still living on the Sunset Strip, my brother.
2: <laughs> like what the heck? So I put his address in my nav, and it was eight minutes from my house. I'm like, this is freaking weird. So and then Dave Mustaine lives the next exit down from me. All these Holy like, shit. just. The rockers now we're like taking over you know it's like yeah. it's not just and there's fusion guys out there. there's jazz dudes friends of mine from new york that moved there and so it's great to see the big it's a plethora of music now it's not the country thing they, the honky-tonk thing they say down there is. it's not that way it's it's definitely moving away from that No, i think it'll always be based because there's so many right. huge country people got their start there but uh you know, in Dollywood and all that stuff. You know, well, there's room.
1: Know. There's room for every genre, just like a, just Got like it. everywhere else. There's room for a little. They can make a little, little room for the rockers, as you said there. You know. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but we're taking over. We're, we're crushing the hunky tongue.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't think you're taking over Broadway, though, man. <laughs> uh, I, was, I, don't, I don't. I don't think those residents are are leaving Broadway, man.
2: And what the hell's up with a bachelorette party? It's like there's always- the last
1: time I was there. I'm not complaining, wow. but I saw a lot of black bachelorettes around. And I was like, this is kind of cool. Like I was hanging out at the bars, you know, and it's always it's always fun to uh, to to see that, you know, seeing some some people having a good time, you know.
2: It's just too much, though. It's Like everybody thinks that that's where you have to have the bachelor Road party. It's like,
1: well, the, the guys have Vegas and the girls have Nashville now. Apparently. I guess,
2: man. They <laughs> they have these they have these pedal taverns. You you literally pedal through the town, yeah. and it's an open bar, and they just they just act like idiots. It's like an excuse to go woo. And and my wife goes for her birthday last year. She goes, "I want to get a pedal tavern." I'm like, "Please don't." Like, just can we not do that? And we did. And dude, it was. Hilarious. Was it like fun the, though? I mean,
1: come on. I, I'm sure it was a little fun because I know exactly what you're talking about. Those everyone's sitting around. Like we can describe it yeah. a little bit for the people at home. Like there, you know, it's it's basically like a table, like a, a round table, and everyone's pedaling at, at a stool where they're drinking and everything. Yeah. And you got your guy steering the fucking steering the thing in, yeah. in the front.
2: And you're and you're literally on the main street. You're not like yeah. some side street. You're pedaling through town, and I, and I used to just make fun of those people, like, "Yeah, what a bunch of idiots!" And like, now we're the idiots on the pedal tavern, like, <laughs> like. But that's it was. We had a blast because like everybody just like if you shout anything to the crowd on the street they just say it back to you and it's this whole weird interacting <laughs> thing it's my hey, sometimes a-
1: you oh. got to do that shit though man i mean <laughs> yeah. being here in 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 huntington you go down into newport they have they have the same it's not pedaling but you're like on a floating bar and you tour the the harbor that i've lived next to my entire life and seen it like i yeah. not really cared and then you got to go do those things sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's fun. Well,
2: when, you, when you when you come to Nash, call me. Where I'm going to take you down there. We're going to go on a pedal
1: tower. Instead. Oh, I'm so down, dude. We got to bring the we'll cameras. We, yeah, we got to bring the cameras, though, because I, 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 I want the full debauchery to happen. Like, we got we to let it go.
2: <laughs> it's
1: good. Man, oh, speaking of debauchery, though, this is a good fucking segue. How was uh, your time with uh, the Diamond one? uh David Lee Roth, like I mean there's got to be something
2: about David Lee Roth Man, <laughs> if you're in, you got to talk like this uh, i've
1: David... never I've never had the pleasure of of meeting him um i I recently um, went out and met uh Sammy Hagar in Vegas. he was doing the launch for yeah. his new uh, uh uh rum seltzer water that he's doing, or rum seltzer yeah. um, and he was really awesome, really nice to meet him. Cool dude. He lives down here in in SoCal as well. Um, yeah. But uh, he's the only member of Van Halen, Van Hagar, whatever you want to call it, yeah. that I've ever yeah. that I've that I've met. Um, and then obviously Eddie passing away was it last year two years ago. Um, yeah. So, but a huge huge uh, Van Halen fan. I think as most anybody who listens to rock music is. Um, yeah. And only there, only there heard is- the stories of the great David Lee Roth. You know. Yeah. And I wanted to Sammy, ask you a little bit right. about that.
2: Yeah, it, Sammy, uh, we did that Sam and Dave tour in 2002, which was uh, 90 minutes to Sam, 90 minutes of Dave. So you got we call it the best of both worlds. Cause That's rad. If you, if you were a Sammy fan, Van Hagar, you got to hear, you know, uh, I Can't Drive 55, Moss and Pound Cake, and all the Van Halen hits that he did. If you were a David Lee Roth era fan, obviously we 80% of our set list was Van Halen. It was... I would beg Dave to like do, can we? Because I'm a huge fan of David Lee Ross solo air. I'm like, can we please do, you know, uh, Just Like Paradise and, and, and just, just a Gigolo and all your hits that you made so huge? And he's like, people don't want to hear that. They want to hear the Van Halen stuff. Lose ear. You don't know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> that's funny, <laughs> Sorry, though, because like, I do like the uh, Just a Gigolo version that he did. And I remember that's one of the records I have is the original Louis Prima Wildest. And it, and it has, yeah. I, I, I'm partially yeah. the original, but. David Lee Roth did a great uh, cover of that and an even better music video that everyone should go back and watch. You're on YouTube right now anyway, just go back and fucking watch it.
0: Oh, what's going on everyone? Brando here. Haven't been around for a while because I am busy. You know, I'm working five jobs to feed 10 kids and when it comes to dinner, I'm just looking for an easy way out. But there is a great thing that I have found to make my day a little easier factor meals right now i've got a black pepper and sage pork chop i'm gonna eat it right here on air with you because i want you to hear in real time how good this thing really is so it's got a nice little sauce on it nice grill marks like this thing is ready to go Mm -hmm. yeah no 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 this is some quality Quality pork right here. Nice thing is it's healthy. The amount of protein in this meal is broken down for me on the side of the package I don't even have to worry about it. I know once I eat this whole thing my macros are gonna be imbalanced This is this is what I need. This is good. Oh my god It took two minutes for me to microwave this thing All I had to do was sign up meals get shipped right to my house every week They have a wide selection to choose from dude. They had dill crusted chicken. They had chili if You want to check it out head over to factormealscom drinks with j 50 and use code drinkswithj 50 to get 50% off. That's code drinkswithj 50 at factormeals.com slash j 50 to get 50% off. Yeah, I know, it's a mouthful, but so is this meal. So I'm gonna keep eating it because, man, this is good. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you're subscribed and leave us a five-star review. If you want to listen to this show ad-free, head over to drinkswithjohnny.com and become a premium member. You'll get to enjoy unreleased clips from your favorite guests, discounts on merchandise in our shop, and access to our private Discord server where you can chat
2: one-on-one with Johnny Christ himself. Awesome! So stay tuned,
0: stay thirsty, and stay filthy as fuck.
2: All of them. The California girls video is one California of my favorite. So He's good, yes. Guy. I mean, it's like he, one thing about Diamond Dave, I don't think there will be another one of him. I mean, and I have, I'm fans of many front men out there. I love, there's so many people, but as far as like this charismatic, pushing boundaries, being like the, just that, taking a microphone and not one seat in the venue He didn't have him in the palm of his hands, you know what I mean? It's like, and and when I was with him, it wasn't. It was everything from arenas to clubs to a casino. I mean, we did it all because, as you know, we went. He went through being ginormous to, and he never faltered as far as like status-wise. But as you know, like times change, music changes. People want to go. There's, of course, the diehards want to see Dave, but. You know, you know, we would do arenas, but we did them with bad company, you know, or we did them with another, you know, a, a bigger act that we could pack seats and stuff like right. that. And but man, he there's no one on the planet like him, like the, as far as being that eccentric and, and just having that formula, you know, just that thing, you know. He, they, 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 I mean, we did this video. If you ever <laughs> you get bored one day, go online on YouTube and type in David Lee Roth's No Holds Barbecue, and. Wow, you! My friends that smoke weed. No I holds
1: don't. barbecue.
2: Yes, no holds barbecue. So he spent about a million bucks. I'm not exaggerating uh, at his house in in Pasadena, and uh, <laughs> he hired Playboy playmates. I mean, there were seven playmates on on the you know set every single day. Wait, you
1: tell me the uh-huh. day, the diamond one had to hire these playmates. He didn't just go down to go down uh, down the strip. <laughs>
2: Did no, he just well, go down it, the
1: road to, uh, to Hefner's spot and, and, and invite him over?
2: Yeah, no, no, I think, I'm pretty sure he hired him. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, and then he, as little people to, I mean, he's he's a bizarre guy, he's out there. So like he, he had a 52 person staff at his house, like building things. Like he had this giant tennis court and he would dump, he would pay people to, bring dump trucks full of sand and dump sand all over because he wanted to recreate a beach on his tennis court. He had a, a crew make a life-size boom box. So when the cassette thing opened, the band would come out playing. Like I was playing drums in the cassette thing. <laughs> I mean, dude, like-
1: I want to go back to watch us just see Ray come out of the fucking-
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's freaking, all my friends that smoke a lot of weed love it. They're like, dude, it's like Pink Floyd the wall, only kookier, you know? And, uh, but it's like,
1: and you were there on set. So obviously like you're every day your firsthand. Uh, How many days is this shoot that he's, that he's, that he's dude,
2: creating. J- James Lomenzo and I, that's now he's back in uh Megadeth again. Uh, I got James, the David Lee Roth gig at that time. Hmm. Um, J Lo's one of them, but he's the original J Lo, James Lomenzo. Um, <laughs> he's one of my dear friends. And, and I would, we would carpool to Dave's house. Cause he lived in North Hollywood and, and I'd pick him up and he goes, what do you think going to happen today and i go dude i don't know but did you see the set yesterday do you see what they're building they would build this like they had this like david lee roth stew and there it was like the size of a freaking room and he was like what makes up david lee roth and you put like a playmate in a pair of boots and a pair of it was like this david lee roth stew and you're like what what do you what is going on like i mean dude it was anything you like it was just head scratchers every day like Who's here? Put the band in the jacuzzi and and go tell the the assistant, put the Dom triplets in kitty cat outfits and we're going to do this thing. And so the Dom triplets would come out in kitty cat outfits and I'd have the band in the jacuzzi and it would, I, dude, you just watch it. They can't explain it. It's just, you know, so. So that's, uh, so
1: those are the things that you can actually, that like we could go, we could all go and watch and we, and we will after this, uh, this chat. But (laughs) what about like, this is obviously what what years was this uh that this you were touring was, with him?
2: I I had the gig from ninety seven to 05, So we did these crazy videos I think it was after the Hagar tour, I wanna say. Okay. Because I had my friend Toshi, this Japanese guitar player, cause he goes, uh he goes, Luzier, who do you know that can play jazz, Latin, funk, reggae, rock, everything? And I go, Well do you care if he's Japanese? He goes, I don't care if he's purple, if he's a good guitar player. And so we, I got my friend Toshi involved and and uh, so it had to be after the 2002 thing. So it's got to yeah. be a couple years before I quit. But
1: uh, <laughs> like, okay, you <laughs> quit, you quit the gig. So, okay, that, that, this is, this is what I'm trying to paint the picture. 97 to, nine, to 05. This isn't the eighties anymore, but this is still the diamond one. So yeah. what, what, what's the, is he still throwing parties after, after every show at this point? Is he, is you know, he, cause I mean, he, I know, I know how it can be. Sometimes we're, some nights we throw a party afterward, or go out to a party afterward. Other nights it's like, yeah. "Fuck it, I'm going to the bus." Shut up, I'm I'm done. You know, uh, how does how oh, does well, how how were man. those tours? Because I mean, it's not like it was. It's not the '80s, but it's not like he's. It's today either. You know, it's yeah. it, it, it's 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 long ago. You know, I have
2: to, I have to think of uh, how how when my confidentiality form. Uh, <laughs> first, um, did,
1: no, he I didn't make you sign that, one of those, did he? Oh,
2: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. there <laughs> I mean, it wasn't bad. I'm not talking like I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a thing called Club Dave, and he's had you know Billy Sheen's a good friend of mine, and I've known bizanet for many years and Vine, and it was way worse. I mean, they, they that was party, dude. I mean, that was like stupid.
1: Yeah, you're talking closed. back, back, back. In the I'm back.
2: talking '86 to you know whatever uh, yeah. Dave, because because Billy would tell me stories, and I'm like, wow, like that's. The gig was just a really small part of the day, of the part. You know what I mean? Like,
1: I can only imagine. Well, I mean, in all honesty, if, I mean, mathematically, it is only one part of the day, right? You only got an hour, yeah. hour or two <laughs> set, yeah. and there's 24 right. hours in the day that you could just get fucking wild. Especially we're talking about the 80s, before social media, before whole, yes. You know, I mean, there's, yeah, ah, uh, it, cocaine. I mean, the knowledge. list goes on of what the fuck was going on then.
2: Yeah. And it's funny because my band now it's like they it's all about our you know we FaceTime our wives and our kids and it's the it's about the the, the gig only and we yeah. usually go to the you know it's kind of boring these days but it's we're also still out here doing it and we're alive and well and healthy <laughs> so, right yeah you, to look, you gotta look at that side too you know
1: absolutely but,
2: but Dave like he had a thing called Club Dave and it started when I got the gig and I was like oh I heard about this like this is gonna be cool right and it's <laughs> there was no guys allowed in Club Dave. So if you came with a boyfriend, your dude would wait outside, and and and. Well,
1: real quick to, to clarify, uh, the band was still allowed, or like like, or were you guys not even allowed? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure you say no guys, like no guys, period, or like if if yeah. you're part of the crew, you're okay, but like you're not invited in with with. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to clarify that. Right.
2: And it wasn't like this horrid thing. It was just they had a sound system in there. There was open yeah. bar. It was Club Dave. There was light spinning. You could dance. You could do whatever you want. And so, that, that didn't last too long. Um, but it, 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 Dave. I mean, let's face it. No one's getting younger, you know. So as the years go by, it was more about the music and stuff. And he, the image he portrayed was def, uh, of that. Like I'm still this 1983 thing, and it's it's it. We go nuts every day. I remember him yelling at me one day because I I uh, told some friends of mine. He overheard me. Because the friends are going, hey, where are you guys going? I forget what city we were in. And I says, oh, man, we're so burnt. We're probably going to hit the hotel and go to bed. And he goes, Luzier, don't tell them you're going to bed. You tell them you're going to the biggest party they're not invited to. And I was like.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, but these are like my friends from, like, school, man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they
2: don't really care, dude. But that's the that mentality of like the rock and roll lifestyle and he right. he's the epitome of that like he just portrays that he the diamond dave thing like i've had many conversations with him on the bus where we're talking about you know my sister owns a petting zoo in pennsylvania we're talking about animals and just normal stuff and then someone would come out and you could see the diamond dave kind of click on like it's a he's got this thing you yeah know, it's, a, it's, it's a it's a character
1: i could imagine right. that you know and that's yeah, and I, that's, that's that's part never, of part of the gig man
2: And I respect him, you know, he's, like I said, there'll never be anyone like him, and I'm not gonna doubt, you know, he's got a vicious temper, he's very eccentric, but I'm not gonna knock the guy, you know, there's been many moments where I was, I almost walked off of many tours because of uh, certain things, but I learned a lot, man. It's like going to the school of Roth. I mean, he's, he taught me so much about being an entertainer, like, He's like, don't you sit behind the drums like a like you're waiting for the bus. Give them a show. You know, they paid money to see you too. And I'm like, he, he would, my perspective changed a lot with Dave Roth because it was all about the entertainment business. It wasn't like, let's just play these classics and people are going to sing along. And it's like, no, your whole thing about how you present yourself, how you, and that, it really kicked my ass in a good way. And it obviously all, it always carried on to what I do now, you know. Um, so, but I, I was trying to get out for a few years towards the end because I felt like I was in a David Lee Roth cover band with David Lee Roth. It was weird. It was like Hmm. I I have too much music in me. I write too much not to not to be a part of something else. So when Robert and Dean DeLeo from Stone Temple Pilots saw me play at a NAMM show one time, um, they were playing with Steve Ferroni from Average White Band. And uh, they were playing this funk thing. And I was playing with Billy Sheehan and Toshi Ikeda, which was like this fusion crazy thing. And. They saw me play at Soundcheck and they're like hey we're putting a band together with Richard Patrick from Filter and I'm like I'm a huge Filter fan like please let me audition and that was my like I was so kind of desperate to get out of the Dave Roth gig and I was pending on a couple of other things but I auditioned for the the DeLeo brothers and got the gig and and I was so happy because I finally called Dave and I'm like hey man I'm, I'm really gone this time I'm gonna I, I, you know joining another band and and he was very professional about it. He's like, hey, man, okay. the door's always open. And, and uh, you know, it's hard to start a new gig, though, I'm telling you. And I'm like, you're right, it is. I go, but these Stone Temple Pilots have sold tons of records and have been really successful. So right. um, so that long story of that is I, I I'm really proud of that Army of Anyone record. If anyone watching wants to check out it, that's one of my most proud records that I'm on, a part of. They're, I love the brothers. They're such great writers and, and humans and um but that led me to the corn game. Screw, screw the people there.
1: listening and watching at home. I got to go check that out. I, I realize, as you're saying, it, I'm like, I know I've heard some of the, some of the tunes, but not, I've never like really yeah. listened. You know, you know how you can listen to the same yeah. song in a different way, obviously.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm every song on that record. I, I, to this day, I'll pop it in and go, wow. Like I'm so proud of that. And it, it takes a lot for me to say I'm, cause I usually hate most of the things that I'm on. Cause I'm my own worst critic, but, um, just because of the way it was and the way they're watching them write. And, man, that's that's why I'm a huge STP fan, too, because I just love that I respect them so much. Unfortunately, it was short-lived. You know, we, we mismanaged, mislabel, all that. Mm-hmm. But um, And, and Wyland got back into STP. I knew it was going to happen. And then uh, the firm managed us, and they also managed Corn. And every time I'd go over to the Beverly Hills office, I'd say, what's up with Corn, man? They got Joey Jordison playing the tour. They got Terry Bozio on the record. They got... Mm-hmm. Brooks Wackerman, your boy on, the, yeah, Brooks, on the yeah. songs, and uh, I'm like, what's going on? Like, they're looking for a steady drummer, and you know, at the time, I had like kind of longer blonde hair, and they go, you should go, you should go play with them. I'm like, yeah, right. Like, no one's gonna be in Corn. Like, that's the five original members. That's the core. That's them. You know, that they're. Yeah. It, it's. I was kind of a chameleon in L.A. I would always like move around and join this band and try to conform to what they sounded like. Corn, you don't do that. That's a different animal. And so that's what I did. I was Joey's last gig in Seattle. I was doing a drum clinic tour up the West Coast, and uh, I just flew up to an empty arena. <laughs> they rented me this really shitty five-piece kit, and the crew's like, "Who the hell are you? And what are you doing here?" Like, <laughs> but, you know, I'm in front of Joey's massive kit, and, and uh, I said, "Hey, man, I'm supposed to play a couple tunes with the guys." And of course, they're an hour and a half late, and played six songs. They said, "Welcome to Cornwall. We'll see you in Dublin." And that was—that was, 15 that was years- it, huh?
1: Yeah. <laughs> See you in Dublin. All right. That's <laughs> <It> was,
2: <laughs> that's fucking was, awesome, man. That's that's yeah.
1: that's cool. And did you take some of that? I mean, obviously, I, I imagine you did. I, I think it. I think this goes back to when people ask you about their kids. Like, what do you do? What do you do? Um, the David Lee Roth, uh, the, the School of Roth, as you said, the entertainment aspect of it too. You know, I mean, I think it's very important that people understand that. Like, of course, you could, you want to be the best at your instrument right you, uh, you 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 practice at it like that's that's what you love is that instrument that's what you're playing right and you try to be a, yeah. as as good as you possibly can be but as you know and I know growing up there's always somebody in town that's even fucking better than you like you look at him and you're like oh they yep. got they got this better but you have yep. to have that everyone calls it the id factor I just can call it the entertainment factor like like roth would say you're you're there to entertain people too it's not yeah it's not there it's not one facet of your instrument of like oh i could just shred like that's great yeah. that's absolutely fucking great but can you yeah. also captivate an audience now i guess that brings you back to the question of like have you been able to take that from your time with roth and and continue it with uh, the other gigs you're you've been but you've been a part of since
2: yeah absolutely and it's it's it, for a while i haven't been doing them since the pandemic but Uh, I would do a lot of drum festivals all over the place, from UK to Spain or wherever, and it's really cool showing up with a bunch of drum geeks like myself. You know, I never claim to be like Mr. Joe Gospel Chop drummer. That's there's people that smoke me that are 10 on the internet right now, and it's I don't I don't look at it like that. Like the you know that's great for what people do, and like you said, there's there's always going to be someone better. There's always going to be someone. But it, it, to me, I don't look at it as like who's best and better. It's no. like I wanted longevity in a career. I wanted to do this till the day I died. Since, since when I was early teens, if I was beating on buckets under Santa Monica Pier, if I was playing stadiums, I'm going to be doing this till the day I die. So if you take an oath like that, if you pledge an oath, it's a pretty big thing to leave your family, to do the whole, you know, what we do on the road. And, and it's even to this day, you know, and it's like, so yeah, I learned a ton from him, you know, and it, just to keep that whole, Thing going so, but every time I do a, a drum festival, and I see a young kid like, what do I do? And I can play you know sixty fourth notes at one thirty two on a BPMs, and I'm like, I, that's great. I'm sure your girlfriend's really impressed. I go, <laughs> I'm not Please get tell it, me it, you
1: it. actually say that to their face. Oh, right? I do. I,
2: I, I I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm done doing the whole like I'm, I I I used to be like very like oh safe with it and go oh well that's cool. Now I'm like dude, just stop. I was like yeah. That's Here's probably the, the best
1: way to go about. It is is, is oh, the honest is the honest way, right? You got to be real, man.
2: Because, like, yeah. as you know, you, the business side of it, it's a business side of it. If yeah. you, when I moved to LA, I locked myself in my drum lab in MI when I was a student there, and I would just shred for six hours a day, and I'd go play with this band, I'd go play with that band. I was just trying to be as best as I could on on drums, and I didn't realize I, I should have been educating myself on the business because I didn't realize how many bad contracts I was going to sign and how many people that I trusted that I thought had my back didn't have my back. And then people and I had, I was getting my ass kicked left and right in my early twenties. Cause I was in some failed original bands that were like, I wanted to be kissing Motley Crue and Ozzy. And I didn't realize what was going on business wise. So I try to educate people on like, look at that perspective. Don't just sit there and play who cares how fast you can play sweeping licks on your guitar or whatever, like, really try to embrace the whole business if you want to be in this if you want to do it on the weekends for fun great and you want to have a joby job during the week god bless america do what you yeah. got to do but if you really want to be in this line of work there's so many avenues and there's so many promises that might not happen and, and there's no security in it you know even band wise i mean when, like i said when i got this gig in 07 phil he told me we had a couple of years 15 years later we're stronger than ever so you just never No one's got a crystal ball last time I checked.
1: No. Yeah. And it's all about that, uh, that blind faith, that, that commitment to the craft, to the band, to whatever it is. Like, it's not just the business side of it. It's, it's all those things. Right. I mean, it's not just, it's not like, oh, I just want this so bad. It's like, well, you got to want this part of it too. And you got to want this part of it too. You got to want the whole fucking sandwich, not just the fucking, the meat, you know?
2: and i i have jazz friends that are like just phenomenal like virtuoso musicians but they're in vans and u-hauls touring across america staying in really bad hotels but you know what they, they love what they're doing they don't yeah. really care about staying in extravagant things and so That's there's
1: the commitment to the love there too and i don't know why i use the analogy of a sandwich i've never done that before ray i don't know where that one came <laughs> i like from. it though That's it. <laughs> As soon like as it that, came out of my mouth, I'm like, "Why the fuck did I just say that? That's weird." <laughs> I'm gonna steal that. I'm gonna use it. No, no. Take it, man. Just take it. Take it away from me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it, it's it's absolutely true. There is it, it. You know, this thing is art, and it is it is supposed to be fun. It is a passion. And, you know, and I, I think that that's important. And the fact that you get that you're still in it for that. I mean, you you mentioned mi, you graduated from there. And then went yeah. back and taught for taught drums there for a while, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. I don't know how they how that happened. <laughs> like, I, I well, was, neither you know, do I,
1: so please tell me, Ray. What was your perspective but, on
2: that? <laughs> well like I said, you know, 18 moving off the farm moving to LA had no idea what I never even knew what a neighbor was. We didn't have a neighbor for a mile. We lived on 118 acres. So the first neighbor we had was a mile dirt road, and then there was a house. So it was like when I moved to Hollywood Boulevard and Hollywood La Brea in those apartments, I was like, wow, I got someone above, below side." And I had no, I heard about this kind of life. I had no idea. I'd leave my door unlocked. My roommate's like, dude, freaking serious? Like, we're going to mm. get killed some night. I'm like, I never locked my doors on the farm. I had no, so I got my ass kicked just being in a city like that, you know, let alone, I thought I was hot shit coming off the farm because I'm playing to, you know, Aussie rat, White Snake records and Kiss and whatever. But it's like when I moved to when I got there, I didn't realize that the staff and MI at that time were like top of the line people like Joe Picaro, you know, Jeff Picaro was in Toto, as everybody knows, passed away many years ago. But his dad is one of the best drum teachers out there. Ralph Humphrey from Frank Zappa, you know, uh, Efren Toro, Richie Garcia from Gloria Estefan, like, uh, uh, you know t- just all these monsters tospanos Panos it was in Steve Vai's band and, and Michael Landau and all these insane and I but I didn't care like I you know I had my target shirt on and like I'm gonna kick everyone's ass check this out you know play double bass as fast as I could and like and I didn't know that like I would get here's a great another great story and it, <laughs> it has to do with Chad Smith Chad Smith from the Little band called the Chili Peppers. The little band, yeah, yeah. The, the little guy, band, yeah, yeah. Little tiny band that won't do much.
1: He <laughs> just did amazing work, by the way. Just real quick, I want to give a shout out, to Chad on the on the Aussie stuff that he did. Um, like, Dude. I mean, you know that you know the guy's an incredible drummer, obviously, but I never heard him play hard rock. You know, not like that. Dude, he's on
2: the Dixie Chicks records too. The last few. I oh mean, that shit! Guy could, I didn't
1: even realize that.
2: I didn't either. I told my buddy that's now getting ready to play with her. Said that those girls that. You know, Chad Smith on the last three records. I'm like, what? Like, he's yeah, he's one of those dudes, such a chameleon and 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 just a hell of a nice guy. He's like, I call those guys lifers. Like, he's like myself, and just this is what we want to do. This is all we do. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm not that smart in too many other fields. So
1: but <laughs> you're selling so. yourself short there. I think. But, uh, yeah, let's get, let's get back to this. I mean,
2: I'm, I'm, I'm a brainiac at everything. Yeah, man, we a well,
1: you know, coffee. You know, you know drums. <laughs> you know, how to count the
0: four and. Uh, the oh, that, isn't,
1: that the, isn't that the old joke? Like, if you could count to four, you could play drums. I always found that funny. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I digress. Let's get back to that Chad yeah. Smith story when you're in So anyway,
2: Chad, there's a thing in MI orientation where they say, hey, stand up, you know, say hi to the person next to you. You don't know them you know, because you don't know anyone. And uh, I stood up, and this guy went that way, and this guy went that way, and it was like, shit. Like, and I look over, and I see this guy in the same situation. He goes, hey, man, I'm Chad. And I go, hey, I'm Ray, you know, and – He goes, You want to get a cymbal locker? I'm like, Yeah, sure. So we get a cymbal locker together. And and, uh, he sat down, he played his pushy, pushy, pushy. I'm like, Dang, man, he's got a fat groove. That sounds really good. And and, uh, so he goes, What what are you into? And I hooked up my double pedal because I was all about like, just how fast could I play double bass at that time. And uh, he's he's like, Man, that's cool. And so anyway, we go to this funk class, and uh, it's called Live Playing Workshop. Taka Numazawa was the teacher, and Chad sits down, and he just, he's super funky, and the bass player's like, wow, this dude, like, right, I sit down, I'm, I'm like, I'm like playing fills all over this, oh, ruining this, ruining it, right, and, uh, and the teacher goes to Chad, you should be in clubs, you should be out there playing, I go, what about me? He goes, you need a metronome, <laughs> and I was like. Shit, like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, did you hear that bill I did? I was sick, man. I was just killing it. So I got my ass handed to me because, like, I didn't realize that, you know, I didn't have any instruction per that. You know, I was in the high school marching band, I was in high school stuff, but that's not really, you learn mild stuff, but you're not like educated, educated, you know? Yeah. And so uh, the Chad story is he left very, right away within, I think, a week or two and said, Hey, I got an audition for this band called Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I'm like, Huh, what are you talking about? And he's like, I go, and I swear to God, I go, what about school? Because, <laughs> like, we're new students here, we're, we, we gotta, you gotta go to school, man. And then, uh, and never saw him. And then he come back like a couple years later, that's when the M- mother's milk was uh,
1: holy shit, was. man, that was
2: very short lived. That his uh didn't get the to...
1: this time in MI, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So, me on the other hand, I had a lot of learning to do, so I <laughs> so, you know, I would go to these classes, but there was never a rock program. I was always bummed because. They're teaching me swing and they're teaching me these Latin patterns and this I remember Richie Garcia, I actually got kicked out of Efren Toro's room because I'd come in and he he goes, Dude, play me a samba, play me a bossa nova and I just, it was so heavy because I didn't have the, I don't know about finesse, I didn't know about like playing light on these things, mm-hmm. I knew rock, I knew metal, I knew, you know, and and one day, the whole class got up to play, and I got up and played this boss, and it was, like, like loud. And he's, like, he didn't even say anything. He just went like this. He's playing, yeah. He pointed to the door, and I went, that, oh. <laughs> like, you're kicking me out of the class, and you don't even have to say anything. Yeah. So, and then he gave me a stack of CDs. You need to listen to this. You need to, you know, this. You need to. So, anyway, naive, gullible, whatever I was. Like, I had a lot to. But I was still bitching because six months in, I'm like, hey, I'm a rock dude. There's no rock here. What the heck, yeah. man? Like, I'm paying this money. I'm getting... And so anyway, Ralph Humphrey and Joe Picaro, I graduated somehow. I don't know how. I'll be honest. Because, like, it was... I barely got through the reading. I barely got through swing. Because all the tests were like, you had to play. You had to recite, read. I wasn't a good sight read. I'm still not a good sight read. Oh, wow. And uh, passed... It was a one-year trade program. Passed it. And... Uh, Ralph goes, "Um, hey man, you're 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 gonna be all right. I'm like what do you mean by that?" He goes, you got you got some fire and passion in you. I see it. You're gonna be all right. I'm like, well, thanks, you know whatever that means. i'm so I get signed to this written label called Shrapnel Records right out of the gate. My band got an independent record deal, and I'm thinking, I'm doing this like no matter what it takes, I'm doing this. And uh, he calls me about. A year and a half after I graduated and he goes hey man this is Ralph and from the school he goes would you want to come in and teach a couple hours I go, 20 years old dude like why would I want to t- who's going to want to get taught for me you know and he goes well there's no rock program there's still a lot of people complaining about there's a rock and we need more of it in here would you want to write a curriculum so that's what I did I wrote a basic curriculum rocket, and I started with three hours a week and through the years it went to 33 hours a week you know round tours around sessions around whatever and the school I was pretty loyal to them because for about a decade what other job can you have we're like hey I'm going on tour get a sub for two months or get a and they were really cool to me so I was cool back to them and and uh it was of course I learned a lot you never stop learning as a musician right and uh, I would just hang out and watch all the clinicians and watch all the things and do my do what I did. And uh, I wasn't really good on the testing, though, like a lot of I would get yelled at because let's face it, you, you know what you're doing or you don't like when you're out on deck, you're, you're up on the big deck. And you, so I would teach these live pl- playing classes because there's a lot of drummers or bass players, or guitar players, that they don't know what it's like to hit, have a monitor wedge in your face or in ears or a lot of drummers don't know when to hit a kick drum. That it sounds like one thing back here, but through the PA, it's a whole other spectrum. And so I was teaching a lot of these live things, like real, like when you're going to be out there doing it. Not like yeah. how, well, how your reading is suffering right now. You should be reading more. But well, That's cool if you're going to be a session guy. But reading never helped me as much personally. I'm not saying it doesn't yeah. for, there's a lot of drummers that that's all they do. And that's great. It's just me personally. So I would get yelled at a lot because I was teaching more like. Look, man, like you're holding your stick so tight, you're going to get carpal tunnel in a year. You got to loosen up and let's work on your grip. And so you can, when you're out there on the big deck, you can do it for a longer period of time. And that was my philosophy. I wasn't all about like, hey, man, you got a 76 on your test. You're not, I don't think you're going to do good. Out. I, who gives a shit? I didn't care yeah. about it. It was like, come on, man. You're.
1: Did they even, did they, they have that at MI though? Like, I mean, that just seems foreign in music to me <laughs> to even have yeah. testing like that.
2: It's full blown, man. And you had wow. to get a certain level to pass. You had to get a certain thing. Now it's like a full blown degree program. You can get degrees there. Right. Before, when I was to trade school and uh, but it's they some some of the staff at that time were a little too into the scores you got. Who cares? Like, can you, can you play or not? Are you going to be able to survive are you going to be you know, it's especially
1: like, when you're talking about a rock class? I mean, yeah. I didn't even graduate high school, like <laughs> fucking <am> gonna... <laughs> <laughs> <There you go. laughs> I mean I would have
2: students that come in that would blow circles around me and jazz and all this stuff, but they couldn't play back and black on drums. They couldn't go God, convincingly enough. I mean it was wow. bizarre, you know, and so I would teach them how to you know, what I thought they should do and but uh but it's still it's still a cool school. There's a lot of people come out of there and yeah. uh
1: since so Gates uh, uh, did some time at uh, at Mi, uh, I heard that. There. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So good. I mean, so Chad dude, Smith I, came don't. out of there too. I mean, you came <laughs> out of there. The list goes on yeah. and on. You already named quite a few that were uh, teaching there while you were there. So I mean, yeah. Kudos yeah. to Mi. Still running. Still doing yeah. the damn thing.
2: Absolutely. Tell your tell your your brothers. I said, hey, it's been too long, man. Absolutely. You need
1: shows. Yeah, man. Uh, we'd absolutely. Uh, Got to get back out there. I mean, we were talking about the shows earlier, the pandemic and everything, and I was just sitting there going in my head. I'm like, "Well, we did the pandemic early. We got off the road in 2018. We haven't been back since. So we started. We 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 were ahead of the trend. Uh, is, is, right. is is what <laughs> right. I like to say. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's been a while. We're, we're we'll get back out there, and hopefully, uh, you guys will still be doing your thing out there too. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, a shout out. You mentioned uh, you guys signed with the uh, Velvet Hammer and that's who uh, got yeah. us in contact, Samantha over there. I want to thank you for, yeah. uh, I know, four days into into tour. Last thing you want to do is go straight to a hotel and chat with somebody. So I appreciate that you at least saw that it's not, at least it's not like a, like a normal chat where you got to sit here and, ask, uh, and answer too many of the same questions, I hope.
2: Nah, no nah. it's it's been totally fun and, and uh i've always uh respected your work and and you yourself so it's it's a it's always good to talk to a brother it's not it's not a painful thing where they're saying like you know asking an annoying questions so
1: <laughs> well the mutual respect is all here man i i've always loved your drumming and always loved uh your Thank work you. and man even from the i think it was the first time now that we r- reminded me that we did the tour together but the first time i think i did meet you was at the uh the golden god awards and you were just yeah you're just one of the nicest people that you meet like we talk about the industry and stuff and you know how it is some people are nicer than others just like out in the real world let's be honest it's yeah. but you know it's just it's yeah. a smaller community it's not the greater population and uh you were one of the ones that i could tell like right away just like he just loves music man that's what he's here for this is fucking awesome like he's, he's this is this is a great dude
2: Thanks man. I, I tell people all the time I'm like you got to toot, man, lose it because it, it's too small out here. I don't care if you're in Australia or if you're you're going to if you're in this business, you're going to see these people again. You know, you're going to see that one monitor guy or that one dude or what. So right. he, the dick thing doesn't work anymore, especially these days, man. The up and comers out there, man, you got to be professional and you can be fun and all that, but The the, that's it does come back around in in weird ways you know it may take a couple years but it's I tell people all the time man be be smart and be cool to people because they do remember that you know so it's uh and not even for
1: not even for like a reason of like it might come back to you but like how about just it's a lot better to be like nice and cool to people than being (laughs) a dick. (laughs) <laughs> how about
2: just being freaking cool yeah know, how about just, just
1: being cool in life in general yeah. like not not just because you want something out of it just because yeah. you want yeah. to be fucking cool you know
2: <laughs> yeah yeah I don't get it man I've never got the whole like I don't know i let I come like I said I came from the farmland where everyone's got your back and yeah if you, i just I don't understand the whole prick thing I don't I don't see how people go through life like that and it's it's not a cool thing
1: you know? no you know the part of that is to me and i i don't know but part of that dickish and prickish thing is i i've come around to the point where i feel bad for those people because i'm like yeah. you're you're harboring something like like you're not just doing it like it's it's out of insecurity it's out of yeah. something that's like something that's eating you up and i just hope they go you know if they just figure out what the fuck is causing their problem it might probably be a lot nicer you know a lot, a lot yeah. easier going you yeah. know have a have a Live longer, be healthier, I don't know, like whatever right. the fucking cliche is, but you know, it's it's, know. it's true, man. But you mentioned the farm a few times. And I did want to ask you about that before I let you go here. Because um, you're out, you, you said you're like an hour outside of uh Pittsburgh growing up, right?
2: Yeah,
1: about forty-five minutes. Yeah, about forty-five. So I, the the director of the show, and the guy who's going to do all the graphics and make you look all pretty here over the weekend, so we can release this on Monday. Take,
2: take the bags out from my eyes. And- yeah,
1: we'll <laughs> see what we'll see what he can do, Ray. I mean, he's not a magician, but you know he's.
2: <laughs> he put a sheen is- over me, so yeah. I look fresh and uh, <laughs> ten years younger.
1: Yeah. He, he's gonna he's gonna do his best. Let's put it that way. But uh, <laughs> he's uh, um, you put me in
2: Africa, the jungle with monkeys flying around me. That'd be at awful. least
1: at least when we're talking about the south the South African tour. That that'll just like pop okay, up okay. there for a second. <laughs> <It's>
2: like, monkey. <laughs> I,
1: now I hope he does that. You got to do that now, Brandon. <laughs> Please do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, he's actually in Newcastle and uh, just two weeks ago or last week, whatever it was. Um I was in the Poconos and I drove out to Newcastle for the first time. I've only been to like Pittsburgh or Philly. I've never been outside yeah. in, in Pennsylvania. Maybe Hershey is like the furthest like outside of outside of anything that, that I've been to, right. but are you familiar with Newcastle and and how close to I, I mean they're I want to call them farm, but definitely a small fucking town.
2: Yeah. I I, I don't know that the the town that well, I've been, I've been through it and stuff, but um i was pretty isolated growing up you know and uh my whole family still lives there around the pittsburgh area but i don't know much else out you know like we we play Town a lot the shed over there and um the arena but um when i was a kid that the only only way i ever went to the city was to see kiss or motley crew i never we never like hung out in the city we were just farm people so now i go back and, and it's grown so much and the city's really cool and my sister has a 365 animal zoo so if you're ever there again, uh, uh, she lives in a town called Smithton, Pennsylvania, and it's called Critter Country Animal Farm. And it's exotic. So she's got, like, tigers and bears oh, shit. and llamas and kangaroos and lemurs. And, I wait, mean dude, wait, wait.
1: She's not, she's not, like, Tiger King in it out there, is she? No. <laughs> no I know that, no. I know that <laughs> reference is a couple years old now, but still. Yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, but she but she has had some of her animals on Jack Hanna's uh, Wild Adventure. Uh, oh, shit. Show. Yeah, it's, it, she, she's a, I mean, we, like I said, we grew up on a farm. I knew she'd always be living on a farm, but I didn't think she'd take it as far as she has. I mean, she's got yeah. this two-toed sloth that's like her oldest animal. I think Moe is like 31 years old or something. She's so passionate about the animals, and they're all her babies. She doesn't have kids. That's her kids, so... Um, and it's open during the summer, so if you ever go back that way again, Critter Country Animal Farm, check it out. Critter like, Country
1: Animal Farm. Oh, I'm absolutely going to. Oh, that sounds. Okay. I'm bringing the it's kid. It's I got to bring the kid. He loves that yeah, shit. So yeah. You got
2: to. You got to. I took Monkey and Head when Head rejoined the band. Um, we had some time, and I said, "You guys got to come see my sister's place." So there's actually an old documentary on it on the Corn Channel uh, of uh, them going to her zoo and, and getting, getting close to the tigers and stuff. And it's just, it's crazy when you have that because as you know the Pennsylvania uh, climate is not the best climate so you know, vicious winters and weird humid summers to have <laughs> yes, yeah. climate controlled pens for all these animals in the winter it's a lot of freaking work dude it's like <laughs> I get my, my brain when I leave her place for just the afternoon I'm like because you're just ab- absorbing all this stuff going around all the zebra just got out all the kangaroos having a baby all the and you're just it's just And then the the feeding time and i I don't know how she she thinks we're nuts for traveling the world and doing what we do and i and i think she's absolutely batshit because of but we have obviously mutual respect for each other's careers and lives but it's insane dude there's There's never a break it's not like oh i'm gonna go kick it today and let's go to the mall and hang out there's none of that it's like there's 365 animals waiting for you to to feed them yeah, dude. And then the inspectors stop by randomly and do checks, and it's like, yikes! But
1: yeah, that doesn't sound like something I could do. But uh, definitely, I'm good with my two cats. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I got two dogs. That's enough for me. Like, and, and a kid. Well, we got kids too. Those are like kind of animals, yes. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, tell the rest of the animal. boys. I said hello. Enjoy the rest of your tour. The New record, Reams, fucking slamming, man. I, I really do dig it. Thanks, brother. And uh, I, I'm really Thanks. happy for you guys being out there with Evanescence, doing the whole thing. Very cool. When you guys get yep. uh, when you get back into uh, SoCal, let's let, let's uh, link up.
2: Yeah, let's do it for sure.
1: Cool, man. Well, you got my number. We'll stay in touch, yep. and uh, we'll see you next time.
2: All right, brother. Appreciate it. all the best. Cheers, brother. All right, man
1: and that'll just about do it for this week's episode of drinks with johnny thanks to ray for being on the show thanks to all you for listening each and every week having a blast putting this all together for you guys make sure you go check out uh corn and evanescence on the road right now together see if they're in a city near you to get out to and if you haven't already go listen to the new corn record Requiem. it is absolutely awesome and i had a super good time reconnecting with ray I plan to have another follow-up phone call, as I do each and every Thursday for the Thirsty Thursday podcast with Ray. So make sure you follow and uh, tune in on Thursday morning for that. That's all I got this week, so till next time, as always, cheers.
0: What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media podcast network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living. And every week, I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others. Photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy. And I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and I'll see you there.